the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 13, now playing. The following program is Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. God is ready to forgive. We who are sinners by nature, we owe him because of a debt of sin. And that debt of sin has brought about a debt to his justice. How can God release us from our debt? The reason God can readily and righteously forgive us our debts is because someone paid our debts for us. Christ, we have been forgiven, and in turn, God calls us to forgive others. But still, it can be so hard. Every day, we encounter all kinds of offenses. A co-worker makes a biting remark. Someone cuts us off on the road, or perhaps it's something more serious. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy reminds us that in those moments, we're confronted with an important decision to forgive or not to forgive. With a freeing message titled, God Forgive Me, here's Philip. Here we are on the second half of the Lord's Prayer, where the focus has shifted from those Godward concerns to those manward concerns. And we're in the second petition on the second half of the prayer, or the fifth petition in the flow of the prayer itself. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts. That's one of our needs, not just daily bread, but forgiveness of sin. God is willing to forgive us as we seek him. You cannot pray anything else in this prayer until you've prayed this part of the prayer. Because we must be made right with God through the forgiveness that's offered to us in Jesus Christ and laid hold by repentance and faith on our part. This is an important petition. But in another way, this petition is disconcerting and frightening because it is unlike any other petition. Remember we saw this the last time we were together? This is the only petition with a condition attached to it. This is the only petition that asks something of us. If we're going to ask God to forgive us, God is asking us to forgive others. In fact, by further explanation, Jesus says this in verse 14, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's, that's a rather jolting condition. It's quite fearful that you cannot know forgiveness if you do not show forgiveness. And that makes me feel uneasy because I know my own heart, how stubborn it can be. Each time we pray this prayer, we are asking God to limit his forgiveness of us to the way we forgive others. 
This is an awesome petition that ought to be thought about often. Jesus says, if you forgive others their trespasses, then your heavenly Father will forgive yours. But if you don't, he won't. And if you're going to pray, Father, forgive me, God wants to know you're forgiving others. People who do not forgive, according to this petition, are signing their own death warrant. They're burning the very bridge over which they themselves must cross. We need God's forgiveness. That will come through a broken spirit. That will come through repentance. Now, if we are broken over our sin, it will make it much easier for us to forgive others. This is the argument of Jesus. But if you find yourself unforgiving, bitter, recriminating towards others, it's a sign that you're not broken over your own sin. It's a sign that the grace of God and the magnitude of his forgiveness toward you has not really taken hold of your soul. This is what we'll see next time. You cannot take God's forgiveness and understand how vast and beautiful it is and at the same time remain unforgiving towards others. How can you ask God to forgive your million-dollar debt and then not give $5 worth of forgiveness to your brother or sister? We need to remind ourselves how much God has forgiven us. We need the joy of our salvation because it's all here on the first half of this petition. And Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our debts. It's great to know that we are forgiven that we can look into the face of our Father when we pray and know that he will not shun us or turn us away because we're pardoned. There's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. We're not coming to a judge. We're coming to a Father who has forgiven us. So let's look at the prayer for forgiveness. I want you to see the natural flow of the Lord's Prayer because it moves from praise to petition, to penitence. This prayer begins with us looking at who God is, extolling his attributes, confessing the wonder of his character. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that praise now moves into petition, where we come and ask great things of God. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Deliver us from evil. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Deliver us from the evil one. The praise turns to petition. When we understand the greatness of God's heart towards us, we can come and ask anything in his name and it will be done. But the praise that produces petition also produces penitence. Because when you understand how great God is, the marvel of his love, the vastness of his holiness, when you understand how much he's willing to give and how much he has given, you will also understand how little you have given, how much you have held back. And you will understand that you are indebted to God. I want you to see uh, two sides to this indebtedness. First of all, the fullness of the debt, and then if time allows us, the forgiveness of the debt. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. I want you to think about this thought that we are indebted to God. We owe our very existence to God. Man was created in God's image, put on the earth for a settled and set purpose. And whatever he was to do, he was to do it for God's glory. He was to eat to God's glory. 
He was to marry to God's glory. He was to raise children to God's glory. He was to work to God's glory. He was to enjoy the love of a woman or a man to God's glory. Man owed his very existence to God. Man owed his love and loyalty to God. Man owed obedience to God. But man took those gifts that were given by God for his glory, and man turned them into debts. Because man did not reflect God's glory. Man did not obey God. Man did not praise God for his existence. He took, and according to James chapter 4, he spent it on his own pleasure, his own profit. And that disobedience brought about an indebtedness to God. And there it is in the text. Forgive us our debts. We have not given you your proper due. And we need to confess that. Is that not a reality? Have we given to God the glory through that which he has given to us? In fact, let me talk to you for a few minutes about the extent of this indebtedness. There was the debt of original sin. The debt of original sin. According to Romans 5 verse 12, sin came by one man, for all have sinned. We inherited Adam's nature, and his offense was imputed to our account. Do you realize that when you were born, you were born in debt? You were already in arrears. Just to the fact that you have on your side of the ledger the liability of Adam's fall and failure. Before you do a thing, you're already in debt. You're already in need of forgiveness. It's the offside rule. When one man is offside, the whole team is penalized. Adam got offside, and we all got penalized. There's the indebtedness of our original sin, and there's the indebtedness of our actual sins. The debt of original sin is compounded by us acting out those sinful desires that we inherited from Adam, those actual acts of misdeeds and and misdemeanors. That's what we have here. That's why it's in the plural. We are in debt to God. We are debtors to God. We are sinners by our own right. While we inherited Adam's nature, we are sinners by our own actions, by those sins of commission and those sins of omission. The sins of commission are us doing what God has forbidden us to do. The sins of omission are those things we should have done but haven't done. Not like the little boy who was asked in the Sunday school what the sins of omission were. He said, those are the sins we wanted to do but never got around to doing. No. The sins of commission are the things that we did that we shouldn't have done. The sins of omission are the things we left undone that we should have done. Ones are acts of unrighteousness done, and the other are acts of righteousness undone, and both are sin. Do we realize how indebted we are to God? We are indebted not only because of the things we have done in flagrant disobedience of his law, but the things we haven't done, the half-hearted praise, the lackluster service. If we put a line under all of this and total it up, we need to file for spiritual bankruptcy. We are debtors. We owe God because our sin has created a debt before him a debt that must be collected by divine justice. It's what the Bible calls the wages of sin. And it's a debt we cannot pay. In Psalm 130, verse 3, I quoted it earlier, if God was to mark iniquity, who could stand? 
Just tonight, if God was to draw a line under all the sins of commission and all the sins of omission that we have done up until this point, and he was to mark it down and then ask us to pay for it tonight, who could stand under the withering heat of his holiness and his rising anger against sin? In fact, this thought is illustrated in the parable of the unmerciful servant. Jesus uses it as a parable of how much God has forgiven us and in the light of that, how much we should forgive others. But this servant owes his master 10,000 talents. Do you know how much a working man earned in Jesus' day? One talent a day. Jesus is saying here that this man owed 10,000 times a worker's daily wage. It was unpayable. It was vast. It was multitudinous. This man, representative of us, is morally insolvent and undone. He's in debt over his head. He cannot satisfy a holy God with righteousness he does not have. And that leaves us with two implications concerning the fullness of our debt. Number one, we cannot pay it off ourselves. When you're in debt, you can't pay off the debt. And secondly, it teaches us what Jesus teaches us. Forgiveness is not something we work for. It is something we ask for. Isn't that beautiful? Father, forgive us our debts. If we're ever to be right with God, it will be an act of sheer grace on God's part. Father, forgive us our debts as we do this and do that. No, just Father, on your side, forgive us our debts because we have nothing to offer on our side. That's the message of the unmerciful servant. In a rural village, there lived a doctor who was noted both for his professional skill and devotion to Jesus Christ. And after his death, his books were examined and several entries had been written across in red ink forgiven, too poor to pay. Unfortunately, his wife was of a different disposition, and following his death, she wanted to collect the uncollected debts. And so she went to court over the matter, and the judge asked her, is this your husband's handwriting? She said, yes, it is. Then he said, not a court in the land can obtain the money from those whom he has forgiven. But is that not our plight? Too poor to pay. We are absolutely too poor to pay. We have raked up such an indebtedness to God that only an act of marvelous mercy on God's part can bring forgiveness to our hearts. We not only have the forgiveness or the fullness of the debt, let's just look at the forgiveness of the debt. Although we are too poor to pay our debts, Jesus invites us to pray to God the Father to forgive us our sins through him. This is the gospel. This is what we sing about in these marvelous hymns and songs. Only by grace. In an act of sheer and surprising grace, God readily forgives the repentant and insolvent sinner. You see, the God of the Bible is a God who pardons the penitent. In Nehemiah chapter um, 9 and verse 17, here's how God is described. Nehemiah 9 and verse 17. They refused to obey, and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them, but they were hardened in their necks, and in their rebellion they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. Speaking of Israel's history, their wilderness wanderings, their rebellion against God. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger. Why didn't Israel die off 
in the wilderness? Why didn't God be done with this rebellious, recalcitrant people? Because he is by nature merciful. He's a merciful God, and he wants us to come with our indebtedness and to ask him to forgive it, and we will find him ready to pardon our indebtedness. Look at Psalm 86 and verse 5, and you see this again. Psalm 86 and verse 5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Isn't that amazing? God is ready to forgive. We who are sinners by nature, we who are sinners by practice, we who have uh, raked up such arrears in the court of heaven. But how can he do it? How can God release us from our debt? We owe him because of a debt of sin. And that debt of sin has brought about a debt to his justice. His law must be answered. His justice must be satisfied. We have wronged him. How can he forgive us that wrong? Justice must be served, and it was. The reason God can readily and righteously forgive us our debts is because someone paid our debts for us. The ground of our forgiveness is the debt-paying death of Christ on the behalf of sinners. Go in conclusion here to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And you're going to see how God can erase our indebtedness. How God can show mercy and yet remain just. How can he forgive us our debts? Does he wink at them? Does he ignore them? No, his justice must be answered. The sin must be paid for. But it's not going to be paid by us because we can't pay it. We're so much in debt, we have nothing to offer. But we're going to see here that someone else paid for it who was in good credit with God. God's son, the perfect, spotless, righteous son of God came and took our sin upon himself. Look at these words from Paul in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all trespasses. Yes, Paul, that's wonderful. Hi. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. Look at the language here. The handwriting of requirements. Paul is imagining an IOU note. See, you and I have failed to keep the law of God. This is the requirement Paul is talking about. You and I have failed. We have not done what we ought to have done. We have left undone that which we ought to have done. And the law of God curses us, condemns us, reminding us we owe God a debt of obedience. We have failed to give him that obedience. We are now in his debt, and his justice demands payment. We owe God our obedience and all we have to offer him is disobedience. But Jesus Christ took that IOU, and according to Paul, he nailed it to the cross. Paul's thinking in his mind of that image, Jesus Christ is on the cross. You know from the Gospels that Pilate took a note and was nailed to above the head of Jesus Christ. This is Jesus, king of the Jews. He was doing it to provoke and anger the Jews. And every cross had a note on top of it, detailing the crime for which the victim was paying. And Paul's imagining above that note that Pilate wrote, another note, 
the note of our sin and our indebtedness to God, and yet written across it is, I am paying for that sin. In fact, when Jesus cried on the cross to telestai, he used a word there that meant to pay a debt. And Paul is saying that Jesus Christ took our IOU, the list of our sins, our debt to God, and he kneeled it to his cross, dying for us, giving the good credit of his own life in sacrificial death for the bad credit of our disobedience. Is that not marvelous? That's what Martin Luther calls the fortunate exchange, where he gets all that we are and we get all that he is. That's marvelous. And it's a great message. It's a wonderful message. God is ready to pardon A criminal stood before James I in England, waiting to be sentenced. The monarch played a little with him. Exercising his power and authority, he reminded the criminal, Do you not know, sir, that I have the authority to pardon you? The criminal looked up and said, King James, while it is in your power to forgive, it is not your nature. While it is in God's power to forgive because of Jesus Christ, thank God it is also in his nature. For God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, raking up a debt before the bar of God's justice and judgment, Christ died for us. He took the IOU and he kneeled it to the cross. God has forgiven it. God has forgotten it. The only time that you and I will remind, be reminded of those sins when we bring them up or we allow others to bring them up. But as far as God's concerned, the debt is canceled if we will come and seek his forgiveness. Good news. Jesus invites us to pray this prayer on a daily basis and to know that God is ready to pardon us. And the next time we're together, we're going to see its implication. When you understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, what are you going to do when you have in your hand the IOU of someone in your family or someone in this family? Are you going to be like the merchant of Venice and look for your pound of flesh? Are you going to act out the character of Jesus Christ and forgive them in the light of what God has forgiven you? Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are in debt to us. That's Philip DeCourcy with a stirring call to forgive as we have been forgiven. You're listening to Know the Truth. In addition to Know the Truth's radio ministry, Philip's teaching can also be found online. Download any of Philip's messages at no charge when you visit ktt.org. There you can also order a CD album of our complete current series titled, For Those Who Haven't Got a Prayer. Again, that's at ktt.org, or add the KTT mobile app to your smartphone. It's also one of the easiest ways to access Philip's weekly devotional, Truth Matters. At Know the Truth, it's our mission to preach God's Word with boldness and clarity and conviction, using every technological means available. And we've recently taken a huge step forward in expanding our presence on the radio in 23 new cities across the country. This is our largest ministry effort yet to reach the lost in America. Urban centers are growing like never before, and we want to be there on the air to share the gospel. Learn how you can be a part of what we're calling the Great Cities Initiative. 
Visit ktt.org to learn more. As a listener-supported ministry, Know the Truth relies on your donations, and this expansion wouldn't be possible without the continued support of friends like you. In appreciation for your generous donation, we'll send you a prayer guide from author Tim Chester called You Can Pray, Finding Grace to Pray Every Day. Request this inspiring resource today when you call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And while you're online, learn how to take your giving to the next level as a monthly truth ambassador. Your automated monthly gifts help us to go to the city. That's our battle cry as we send God's word out to millions more. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Be sure to come back tomorrow when Philip DeCourcy continues teaching us about the call to forgive as we have been forgiven. That's Thursday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is Alistair Begg, and this summer I'll be visiting many historic sites made famous over 500 years ago during the Reformation. I invite you to join me on this multi-city tour in Europe that includes a world-class cruise down the scenic Danube River, and along the way we'll study the Bible together and discover what insights the early Reformers gained from Scripture. Join me on this remarkable journey. Go to WAVA.com, use the keyword cruise, or call 703-807-2211. Comedian Jeff Allen is coming to Grace Church on Saturday, April 14th. Get your tickets at WAVA.com, keyword laugh. We got one of those select comfort mattresses. Each side's got their own number, so my number is like 100. Hers is like number one. She sits in it, and she sinks all the way to the floor, and the mattress wraps around her like a flour tortilla. First night, I rolled over to kiss her goodnight. I fell into this ditch. I couldn't get out. And she's laying there going, get off! Join comedian Jeff Allen at Grace Church Saturday, April 14th. Get your tickets right now at WAVA.com. Keyword laugh. There are all kinds of people on the... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.